next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready, and let's get into it. Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me as always is Willow. Hey, hi. Hi. How's it going? Ah, not too bad. It's not too bad. It was a really pretty day. It was gorgeous. We, we're saying that because we were snowed in for like ever. Yeah, and then Sucked. it was in the seventies today, and I had the windows and doors open, and it was just great. It was great. So March is Femme Fatale month, and I have the honor. Of yeah. doing the first case. Absolutely. And it's Betty fucking Broderick. I actually don't know this case. You don't know it. It's a really famous case. And it's one of my favorites. It's You know, I kind of almost credit it to me getting into true crime as hard as I did. Hmm. Because we had the Lifetime channel growing up, and it was a Lifetime movie about her life. Hmm. Starring Meredith Baxter. And Meredith Baxter did a great fucking job. And it's like, A Woman Scorned is the name of the movie. Ooh. The Betty Broderick story. So, go watch it, because it's just fucking good. And also on Netflix, Dirty John, which is about, like, true crimes. Um, they covered the Betty Broderick case, and it has Christian Slater in it, and it's really good. Dream that. He... <sighs> He looks extra weaselly now that he's gotten older, so I'm not really on board with him. Although, when he was a younger feller, it's pretty cute. Absolutely. When I was a young lass, I was like, that's all right. I'd hit it. Hair. It was the hair. It was the hair. But now it's like receding and too pointy, and it just like, ugh. I don't know. Anyway, Elizabeth Ann Broderick, or Betty as she was known to friends, was born on November 7th, 1947, in East Chester, New York. Betty's mother was from Ireland, and her father was from Italy, so she was Catholic, obviously. And she had five brothers and sisters, and I believe she was, like, the middle child. And she definitely has middle child syndrome, some of the worst I've ever done seen in my whole life. Now, look, if, if you're sitting there going, what the fuck is middle child syndrome? Let me tell you, have more than two kids. One of them's in the middle of all them kids, and they're going to be a pick-me bitch. The scary thing is, is that Mateo is a middle child. Like, he has middle child syndrome, and he's a pick-me bitch. But I only have two, and I don't want three. No. You're not going... I'm not allowing it. <laughs> I'll just beat you to death. But I understand middle child syndrome. Well, I'm... nuts. I'm going to be fair to my middle child. My middle child is wonderful. He's actually the saint of the entire family. Ooh, don't go that far. Because we can be a real pick-me-bitch sometimes. <laughs> and we can be really whiny and melodramatic and into-the-world grudge-holdy twat. <laughs> I think I'm just, like, a huge, like, fangirl of their art. So I'm just, like... Valentine does make some really, really amazing good. art. <laughs> and they're a cool person. Really cool. Like, we're not as cool as not, Valentine. Not even close. Number one, is your name Valentine? No, it's not. <laughs> Valentine hysterious? Are you kidding me? That's just cool. Yeah. And like their jokes are funny. Yeah. They're just a funny person. And it I know it's stupid. It's frustrating. But they definitely get middle child syndrome sometimes. Because producer Will is definitely like oldest child. Yeah. We're gonna do everything wrong and get all the attention mm -hmm. and be the squeaky wheel. 
And then John is definitely baby. Yes. And baby. And baby. And baby baby. forever. Good baby. Good. John has didn't grow for like most of his life until now. And now he's like huge. (laughs) I love it. It's very funny. So she was raised back to Betty. Sorry. No, that's fine. We we tangent, but it's okay. She was raised really strict Roman Catholic. And now they weren't poor, but they weren't rich. Like her dad was a plasterer, which is hard to say. He did plaster on walls. I love that. And her mother was a homemaker. And this is kind of like the idyllic lower middle class thing going on back in the 50s. It's not Mm -hmm. something any of us probably experienced in our lives. Like where the mom stayed home and the dad went to work and nobody starved to death. Like that was enough. Right. Um, That's just not possible nowadays. But that is the life that she was trained to have. And I want to talk about this for a minute. This is her childhood is kind of irrelevant and boring, like no no abuse. She I mean her she loved her parents, they loved her, she got along with her brothers and sisters, like all that was cool. But Betty was a person that had no choices. There was no I want to be president or I want to be the CEO of this. It was you're going to be a good wife and mother. Yeah. And that's it. And yeah, school was really important, but she went to an all-girls school, a Catholic school, and even her peers really put that pressure on early. Everybody just wanted to be a good homemaker and a good wife and like Stepford wife shit, like look perfect, act perfect, serve your man, please your man, worship the wiener, which is just, look, not a good investment, (laughs) poor return. (laughs) And, you know, but just imagine that it's at home, it's at school, it's your peers, it's your church, and everybody's just hammer, 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 hammer into your head. So there was no other option for Betty. She didn't even consider anything. It was her dream to be the perfect wife and the perfect mother. And, like, this became, this, like, was her obsession. It had just such a powerful effect on her. There was nothing else. Anything else was complete failure. And Betty was not stupid. And I really like to drive this point home. Betty was so super, super, super smart. She could have been anything she wanted to be. And that's why this case is sad to me. So Betty met her future husband, Dan Broderick, at a Notre Dame football game when she was only 17 years old. And it was the first time she had ever been allowed to travel out of town without her parents. And even attending college, she stayed at home. She didn't go live in a dorm. She stayed at home in college. She was really sheltered. There was no kissing or holding hands. Like, Dan was her first, 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 first. And she fell in love with him immediately. Like, love at first sight. He was tall and dark and handsome to her. I mean, he was kind of a gangly, like, dumb-looking kid. But, like, (laughs) to her, he was, like, tall, dark, and handsome. He was a senior at Notre Dame. That's important because he's way older than Betty. She is 17 years old, and he's like 24. Ew! Yeah. Ew! That was such a thing back then, though. It was. That is so weird. Like, <clears throat> I'm not, like, condoning it or anything, but I'm just oh, noticing no. the trend of, like, like this is, like, the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Elvis, look at that. And, like, ooh. Well, it's the, early, it's the 60s now. Yeah, but still. 
So they started dating, and they dated for three years. Dan would travel from college to Betty's house to see her, and sometimes he would take her to see his large Irish family. Dan was in medical school. We know that shit's grueling. Mm -hmm. He was going to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. That really is the dream for her, then. She's marrying a doctor. Yeah, yeah. She is pumped. You really can't get better than that as, like, the stereotypical 1950s housewife. No. Mm Mm-mm. They married on April 12th, 1969, and it was a really beautiful, like, glamorous wedding. If you go and look at the wedding pictures, they look like they're in love, and they're, like, really, really happy. She looked beautiful, and he was handsome, and they had their honeymoon in the Caribbean, which is nice. I would love to have had a wedding. Right. I got married at the Justice of the Peace, yeah. and the honeymoon didn't happen. Yeah. Two years later, and we came and visited Eureka Springs, actually, and that's why we moved here. Cute. So life for the newlyweds was immediately difficult. Dan was in medical school, and Betty got pregnant, they think, on their honeymoon. Mm. Y'all, that's rough. Yeah. She gave birth to their first child, Kennedy, and stayed at home to raise her. However, Dan was still in school, and living off student loans wasn't enough. And so unlike her mother, Betty had to get work outside the home. Mm. And already, that is a crack in her dream. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to go get a job. She, that's not what the perfect wife and mother would do. Yeah. Dan is supposed to be a provider. Why is this fucking up? Like, Betty was pissed. Mm-hmm. Betty's pregnancies are really hard on her, too. And then, Girl, same. like, just a year later, she has another baby. She almost gets pregnant, like, right away again. And that pregnancy was really, really difficult. Oh, no, Catholic, they don't... Mm, that's right. And the second child, Lee, was born in July of 1971. And at this time, right after she has the second baby, Dan is just a couple months into his residency as a doctor. Mm-hmm. This is the last thing you do before you are, like, certified and shit as a doctor. You go through residency. And he just quit. He decided being a doctor just wasn't for him. Now, mind you, she's already gone, like, three years, working her ass off, having his babies, making the money, borrowing money from her dad. Oh, what was his personality like? Do oh, you know? he's a cunt. Okay, I was I'm just to say, gonna like, go, what the look, fuck? I'm not going to victim blame here. Yeah, but, but like, if he's... If he were still alive, dick, I'd call him a, a cunt. Yeah. That's just what I would do. Betty was really frustrated and angry when he said he didn't want to be a doctor. He said he wanted to go back to school, Harvard no less, and become a medical malpractice attorney. He might have seen some shit, honestly. I don't care what he saw, because I'm not getting that vibe from him. He didn't think being a doctor was, like, prestigious enough for him. He wanted to be a high-powered attorney. Oh, okay. Cause, well, because whenever you go through um, that last step, what is it called oh, again? Residency. Yeah, it's yeah, rough. Residency, residency is whenever you like basically shadow a, a doctor and you basically go around and like... You work in the ER and yeah. shit. Yeah, it sucks. But I mean, he, he would have already gone through enough to know. Like, right. I just don't buy well, that. That's, that's why I wanted to know more about his personality because if he was like the timid, very controlling, type. Very controlling. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Now, Betty had put any of her ambitions and dreams on hold to raise these children, work multiple jobs, and maintain her looks to the point of obsession for him and his dream. And she was asked, being asked to do it again. There's no money coming in, yeah. unless it's from Betty or her parents. 
And so she's pissed, but yeah. she agrees because she loves him. And she'll do anything for Dan. Anything, 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 anything. Including light her candles at both ends and just burn herself to the ground. That's pretty much what she does. She was the perfect, supportive wife and the best mother, even if it was killing her. And it wasn't just immersing himself in school in Harvard. Dan told Betty that he needed to look the part of a high-powered attorney, too. So his suit collection and tie assortment earned him the nickname Dapper Dan at Harvard. And, like... I'm saying this, but you guys, he had more clothes than they could afford to have. He has a problem. Betty is wearing stuff she gets at thrift stores and secondhand shops, and so are the children. She didn't even have a dishwasher in her house. And he's out spending all their money on like these fancy, fancy Italian suits. Ew. He's gross. I don't, yeah, that's very, that's a very gross behavior. Like, that's a very gross thing to do. He's out, like, drinking with his Harvard Law buddies. Ew. And Betty is working just a bajillion jobs, including selling Avon and Tupperware. Like, oh she goes, my. I know, it's so pitiful. So she's got these little Not babies. That that's, but yeah. And yeah, MLMs lot. are so predatory, and she just totally bought into that. Mm. She was a great hostess and entertainer right. and a wonderful cook, and so she would have these huge parties, and she did pretty well doing that. But it, it was, was y'all, it was awful. It was so hard, and I've been there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still there. Yeah. It's a different situation for me, but I'm the main breadwinner, and I kind of juggle lots of different hats. And it is really hard. And the difference is, is I have a super supportive spouse. Mm-hmm. My spouse is too mentally ill to work at outside the home. But, I mean, I, I just have all the support in the world for everything I do. Betty did not have that. Right. Her contribution wasn't even... Like, Dan was never like, you know, thanks for taking one for the team. Right. And thank you for all your sacrifices and the good job you do raising our kids. Because they go on to have four children. She has two miscarriages during this time that he's going to law school. It's nearly killing her. She's so stressed out. That's why she's having these miscarriages, is she's overworked. She's not eating right. They're so broke, they can barely afford to put food on the well, table. Well, and then think about, like, the like the basic mania that your brain goes through just juggling all of the hormones and like oh my god not just the pregnancy hormones and you know the the postpartum hormones but also the hormones that are released during stress and all of this shit like her body like her mind's just going crazy cuckoo bananas because like definitely cuckoo bananas like i mean i just finished the first year postpartum and it's no joke that shit it is cuckoo bananas at my house and like i have a very loving partner and like i have very yeah, i got postpartum situ- uh depression with, with valentine actually yeah. and i had no help and almost lost my mind right. she is like i said burning candles at both ends yeah. she's starting to feel a little bit bitter yeah i mean he's out having a good old time yeah. and she's stuck here at home yeah working her ass off so after law school they moved to california where dan took a clerkship at a small office now I want you to think about this, too. He's a clerk in a small office. He's not making money. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically an unpaid internship. I mean, he makes a little bit of money, but it is not enough. His reasoning was he could be a bigger fish in a smaller pond, that he could really shine if he was in a place that wasn't this huge, already established law firm. I mean, it makes tactical sense. Yeah. But, but- fuck... 
My eyes hurt. I just rolled them so rolled hard. He's such a cunt. So and like, couldn't he have like gotten a part time gig to like help out? No, is the answer. Couldn't you just like take your pride and shove it up your asshole? Oh, he would never do that. Just... Appearances meant everything to Dan. Everything. It's disgusting. Well, then, what is the appearance that you're giving off whenever your whole fucking family is suffering because you want to look cute in your new little outfit? Like, what it's, the fuck? It's really what is that fucking look shitty. Like? Talk and about again, I'm going to talk Thanks. shit on Dan Broderick. No one deserves to be murdered because they're a shitty husband. The yeah. end. It is evil and wrong to kill someone. He did not deserve to die. He deserved to get, like, slapped in the face real hard and called a bitch, maybe, right. but, like, not the other stuff. So, Betty's still working odd jobs. In fact, she starts teaching, like, religious classes at an elementary school. Like, that's a lot. She's yeah. just doing so much. She's grabbing at as many straws as she can. She even earned her real estate license. So she's, What the fuck? This bitch is intense. How many things is she doing? I relate because I'm one of those type of yeah, people. I, I do it all, mm-hmm. and I'm exhausted that's why every tax return season (laughs) i don't do shit for like a week it's my one it's my vacation once a year and then i go back to working 14 hour days Mm. yay so it wouldn't be until 1979 10 fucking years after they married that dan made money and enough money that would allow Betty to stay home with her four children, which is exactly what she wanted. And what Dan agreed to, too, like, they wanted to have the traditional nuclear family shit going on. Right. And while, the, like, going into the 80s, like, that shit's not working anymore, I can get why that's what she wanted. Yeah. Again, Betty didn't have any choices. It was be a wife and mother or fail. Well, and, like, you, your whole life, you're, you're only brought up to have those qualities you know like you're you're only like taught the things that make you a good housewife and mother Mm -hmm. she wasn't taught any other skills exactly and so dan started doing really really good he becomes a medical malpractice lawyer and you'd think that like that would be satisfying yeah to him like they worked so hard to get there it's like the american dream being realized type of shit well, and that's like the pinnacle time to be one of those people because fucking a the eighties yeah, were that's, wild. That's when that like the shit. pharmaceutical companies were like going fucking crazy up, yeah. with a ton of experimental shit. Except Dan was rarely home. He wasn't satisfied with just making money. He wanted the social status too, so he would go to work every day at five a.m. and often stay late nights in the office. When not in the office, he would be found at a local Irish pub schmoozing with clients and associates. Betty was really lonely. She kept an immaculate house, cooked every meal, and kept her budget tight. Early on in his law career, while Dan was buying expensive suits and designer clothes, Betty was still buying secondhand stuff for her and her kids. So when Dan gets his own practice, she had no problem with him spending massive amounts of money on decor in a private office. She even helped him decorate it impeccably. He was constantly getting compliments on the decor of his office because Betty was the shit. She dressed like a movie star. She decorated her house. It was like she she was the perfect wife and mother. But it didn't matter. So... At this time, when Dan gets his own office, he's starting to become the husband that she really wanted and saw in him in the first place. He's working really hard. He is bringing in the mega bucks, like millions of dollars now, 
Wow. They're living opulently. Shit. He's coming home right after work, and they're having a good time. Good. And, I mean, they've been struggling before. Yeah, just don't go hang out with your hoes. Go home to your wife. Go home and, with your wife. You know. And Dan, to show his appreciation for all her sacrifice, even hired a maid to help with all the housework. Good. So she could go to, like, her civ- civil civic clubs and, yeah, like, luncheons with yeah. her friends. And, like, I tennis. Do those things. Let's do those things. Hell yeah. I want tennis. Though. She really enjoyed that shit. Yeah. But as their wealth accumulated and their social standing grew, Dan's attention on Betty waned. I hate that. That's always the case. And the thing that pisses me off about this is she was so stand by your man and like sacrificed everything. And when it got good, he was like, oh, I'm going to do it. do that? They only keep their like housewife. Like until they get until it doesn't serve them anymore. Yeah, until it doesn't serve them. She had done the thing that needed to be done. Did he love her? Or did he love what she did for him? Yeah, I think he just used her. She had already gotten used to the idea that she would be playing second fiddle to his career, mm-hmm. but real cracks in the marriage were beginning to show. Once on a family skiing trip, they had a terrible fight because Dan spent more time in the hotel bar than with his wife and children. And she just lost her fucking yeah. shit. And now Betty <laughs> had a temper. Like, I think she had an anger problem. Like, she was, like, when her when I say, like, she was, like, brought up a certain way, she was brought up to have impeccable manners and a proper way of speaking. But when she got mad, ooh, she'd say nasty shit. <laughs> nasty. That's nasty. She calling people a cunt and all that. Mm, me too, though. I, hey, I like that word. But I've been garbage since the day I was born. Same though. <laughs> I'm a raccoon. <laughs> Dark circles and I'm chubby. Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this all kind of comes to a head when Dan hired 21-year-old Linda Kokina as his personal assistant. Front row, Linda. Oh, it's no good. It's no good. So Dan had first met Linda at a friend's party in 1983. She was blonde, petite, and pretty. And Dan was immediately smitten with her. And Betty, like, Betty's at this party, and she she's like, the fuck? Yeah. She is pissed. I've been that girl. <laughs> she did not fail to notice because Betty noticed everything. Yeah. That's what made her such a good like partner is that she noticed little details in everything and when something was off this bitch knew it she knew what was her sign i'm sorry i don't know what her sign was well she was born november 7th i figured she's scorpio that's exactly what we do Mm -hmm. Mm, you guys are fucked up yeah (laughs) we just we know things (laughs) like you can't hide from us so dan hires linda even though she had no experience in her previous job i think she worked on an airline i'm not sure if she was a flight attendant i don't think so but she was like all grinding on some dude's lap and it made the passengers uncomfortable Ew. i'm not gonna victim blame linda either and i'm not even saying she a hoe I'm not. I mean, but if you are, that's fine. It's fine if you're a hoe, but I'm yeah. not going to say it in a derogatory way. It's right? never a derogatory way. Never. Thing. He just hired her because he wanted to fuck her. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. At another party, Betty caught Dan in an alcove talking on the phone to Linda. He's not even subtle. It's so infuriating. Well, yeah, because they, they have the audacity. The audacity. Yeah. Another time when they were on a family vacation in Europe, Betty caught Dan sending flowers to Linda. And I'm like, at this point, she knows he's cheating. But Dan 
starts this campaign to completely gaslight Betty. And he does it for a whole fucking year that he's having an affair with Linda. He tells her she is crazy. She's imagining things. That she's the one wrecking the marriage. Just gaslighting so hard. And she feels so lost because yeah. she she can see it with her fucking eyeballs. He's yeah. going, he's not coming home again. He's late all the time. But she's alone in this. She's alone in the world and she's brought up to believe that you only get one chance. You only get one husband. Yeah. You don't get to divorce. Like, and divorce no, she's Catholic. We're not divorcing. Yes. That's a sin. Yes. No, what she, and she, you know, the thing is, is she goes to her friends too and she's like, hey guys, I think Dan's cheating on me. They gaslight her too. They're like, Dan isn't the type of man that would do something like that. Oh, that hurts. When your crew doesn't back you up, fuck the bitches. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And Mm -hmm. I think this is the turning point. I think if Dan had, and she even says it in interviews later, if Dan had just come clean with her and been honest, she wouldn't have doubted herself and wouldn't have like spiraled into the suicidal depression. It makes you feel crazy. I've been gaslit about it some does really intense shit, and it does make you feel crazy because you're like, no, this happened, and everybody's like, no, it didn't. Yeah. That's fucked up. And she convinced herself finally she was just being insecure because that's what her friends told her. Oh, my God. She went to a therapist for her for it to try and, like, fix herself. Well, because did, did the therapist not work either? I mean, Usually she didn't they go have, like, really shitty advice. I know, right? Well, I not, mean, I mean in, in, in these true crime cases, I know. usually that's what happens. I'm not saying that therapists... There wasn't a lot of information on the therapy, yeah. um, but I'm going to guess, like, if you're going in and not being honest, like, she was just saying, I think he's cheating because I'm insecure. That's not what you really think, yeah, Betty. You know he's cheating. She too. did. You're trying to, like, convince yourself along with everybody else because you don't want him to be cheating. And you don't yeah. want this... And she's telling a therapist, you know, like, I think the sparks have gone out of my marriage because I'm always accusing him of cheating. It makes him really mad. Right. And the therapist is like, that's right. You've got to stop. Why don't you try and do something nice for him? So on Dan's 39th birthday, she arrived at his office with a surprise. And she had gotten flowers. She got cake, balloons and shit. She got champagne. And she was going to wait in his office for him to get back from lunch so they could watch the sunset. No. Oh, I can I can see what's about to happen. It's bad. Like playing out, and I'm like, no. <laughs> so when Brace she first it. walks into the office, the secretary asks who she is. <gasps> she's like, "Well, I'm here to see Dan," and she's like, "Are you a client?" And she's like, "No, I'm his wife." Oh. They don't even know her up there. Oh. Yeah, and so already she's like pissed, right? And she's like, "Well." Can I go wait in his office, you know? She's like, where is he? And the secretary's like, well, they're out at lunch. And she goes, who's they? Mm, you know? Yeah. And the secretary's like, well, Dan and Linda. And so she's like, uh-huh. Do you know who you're talking to, ma'am? Oh, yeah, the secretary's like secretary sweaty ma'am. now. The secretary is sweaty. She's not going to lie, because what's funny about the secretary is that she eventually goes to Dan and says how uncomfortable she's feeling with how much Linda gets paid. The fact that Linda has her own private office and everyone in the office is talking about it. Yeah. And Dan's just like, suck dicks. <laughs> I mean, basically. Wow. So Betty goes and waits in his office because, again, she's like, maybe I'm just, he, she is his assistant. I'm just going to chill here in the office. 
and he never comes back from lunch. He arrived home after she had waited for him in his office for seven hours, she waited. Seven? Yeah. Okay, well, let's just get one thing straight. Betty's already cuckoo bananas at this point. Yeah. She's not well. Yeah. She's not well. You're that determined. She's obsessed. Yeah. And this is where you start, the cracks in her psyche start to show she isn't doing okay. Um, I think she's profoundly mentally ill by this mm-hmm. point. Be it depression, mm-hmm. the gaslighting, and mm-hmm. there's something else going on, and I'm not going to armchair diagnose her, and I didn't read like any of her psyche vowels for this because... There's a lot of misogyny in this case. Yeah. And I'm not going to go there. Mm -hmm. Because people were not nice to Betty. Mm -hmm. So she goes straight home, goes into his closet, and takes out all of them designer suits. Girl. Piles them up in the lawn. (laughs) I've done this. And lights (laughs) that shit on fire. I light it on fire. I throw it out in the... No, she lights it on fire. That's beautiful. And so Dan gets home... And he sees his shit on fire. And normally, he would be like, oh, you crazy bitch. He'd have a good fight with her or something. Yeah. He just walks into the house and doesn't say anything other than, this is all in your imagination. What? He's like, because she's like, you're cheating, I know it. And he's like, this is all in your imagination, and I'm not doing anything. He just continues, the gaslighting. And he's not even going to say anything about the clothes uh-uh. on fire. Nope, they're just on fire. Because he knows he deserves it. I know. And so, again, she feels really bad. And she apologizes for this. And they go to bed and everything. But for the like, next couple weeks, he's do, he does this really... This is so fucking sick. But they'll be in bed, and it, he's pretending to be asleep. And he'll murmur Linda's name. Ew. Why? And she could tell, like by his breathing and stuff and moving around he wasn't really asleep she believed that what dan wanted was for her to divorce him and not the other way around and make it look like she was crazy and she drove him to the arms of another woman because it would look bad on him socially if he divorces her because he's all about appearances he makes me want to just gross he's so gross they're both kind of gross if we're gonna be honest yeah but i mean i i I feel for her honestly (laughs) i really do (laughs) i told you it's hard not to girl i love being a housewife i love being a mother and staying at home and doing the cooking and the cleaning and all that like i'm all about like you know you do you and do your own thing but i those are things i enjoy so i i understand her but like He's so slimy. He's slimy. He's slimy. And I think he cheated on her the whole fucking time. I'm just being honest. I really do. Of course he did. I just think that once she had some babies and was pretty worn out from, like, all the fucking hard work and, like, starving to death and wearing thrift store clothes, that he was just like, ew. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, appearances. She was no longer an accessory, so he needed more accessories. Oh, yeah, and he gets, like, a Corvette. And yeah. stuff. He's midlife crisising so hard. Yeah. So in early 1984, they moved to a rental house while their like house is being repaired because there was a deep, deep crack in the foundation of the home, which is like, wow. 
was like, how metaphorical. <laughs> I was like, universe being obvious yeah. with this shit. It was the perfect symbol of their crumbling marriage. Yeah, absolutely. It was in February of 1984 that Dan confessed his affair. He moved back into his home and left Betty at the rental house. Dan filed for divorce, and then it was public knowledge, and Bet- Betty felt infuriated and humiliated. Oh. Mm-hmm. On a visit to see her children at her old house, she noticed a homemade Boston cream pie, which had been a favorite of Dan's. And when the housekeeper told her that Linda had dropped it off earlier, she took the pie upstairs, took Dan's suits out of the closet again, spread the clothes on the pie, and the pie on the bed, all over. She just smeared the pie all over the clothes in the bed. That makes me so happy. I'm so sorry. I would do that. That's something I would do. I would do that. Because it's not permanent. It's just a mess. No, yeah, and it's just, it's a fuck you. It's a fuck you. Well, if you think this is a fuck you, hold on to your butts, because Betty goes batshit. Batshit Betty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dan immediately filed a restraining order against her. Yeah, well. Well, uh, to be fair. In response to that, Betty drove to the house and threw a bottle of wine through the window. Did she drink it at least first? I don't know. The police didn't respond because at this point they just thought there was a couple just bickering. They didn't think Mm -hmm. anything was like a big deal. But Betty had really started spinning out of control. She is afraid and enraged. She was losing everything she had sat sacrificed for all those years. Ten years of her life spent just barely scraping by for this shit. It was developing into an obsession and neurosis. I mean, I think it was already there, but by this point, it's turned dark. Right. Well, and at this point, they've been married like 14 years or 15 years, something like yeah. that. And then, and then this is collapsing, so... She's been spiraling for a long time. She's pretty wound up. She's real wound up. Mm-hmm. Now, because of Dan's connections, she can't get an attorney. No one will help her. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. I feel sorry for her. She had to go outside of her town to L.A. Yeah. She got a lawyer out of Beverly Hills. And the lawyer, bless him, he tried He's like, girl, you are going to have to stop trying to get revenge. You are hurting your chances at custody and alimony, behaving that way. To Betty, it was just another man gaslighting her and telling her what to do. She continued to scream obscenities at Dan when he dropped the kids off. I mean, she's hurting the kids with this, and she does not give a fuck. No, this this is where you stop. This is where you stop. This is where you stop. The pie on the thing, that was funny. Well, we, we don't have to go any further. I mean, once when Linda and Dan were out of town on a trip, she broke into his home and, like, broke a window and spray-painted, like, slurs all over the place. Wow. Dan struck back by hauling her into court on contempt charges every time she did something like that. And she is doing Wait, girl, stuff. Girl, sit down. For Just real. sit down. But it is important to point out, point out that these are really punitive. Mm-hmm. Hauling, like, every time she'd do anything. He would haul her into court. These legal fees are eating her alive. That's true. Like, like, what were, what were some of the smaller things that he bring her in for? What do you say? Anything? Yelling at him in front of the kids. Um, um, you know, yeah, that sucks. But you're not gonna go to court it's not over good, it. Good. Like, he is using the court as a way to get back at her. Yeah. 
They're yeah. both kind of striking at each other and being yeah. petty, both of them. Yeah. And again, not victim blaming, but this, he was being a big shit fuck. But, and these types of court battles are not fun when they're just done normally. I can't imagine what it's like. You have no idea. With him being a lawyer. And he already knows all the loopholes and yeah. shit to do. He fucks her over so bad, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh-huh. So about a year goes by, and Betty is now spending Christmas completely alone. Mm. And her kids aren't there, and she's, because her kids don't want to be around her. She's nuts. No offense. Mm. So she goes to her old house, because the, the family goes out to, like, some kind of function or relatives. And she vandalizes it and tears up all the presents marked to Linda. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. This next one is just wild. So Dan beat Betty in every legal battle. He sold their home and gave her the proceeds, like half of the proceeds. But that wasn't enough for Betty. So in retaliation, she drove her Suburban through the front door of the house. Oh. Yeah, she's really lost it. Oh. This sounds like a really cool movie. Oh my God, the movie's great. Oh, yeah, I forgot you said there was movies about it. Okay. There's several. Okay. There's lots of movies about it. I'll have to go back and watch this, because this sounds like a movie. It it plays out very cinematically, yes. she's pretty over the top. So Betty went to jail for that one, and then she was in a mental institution for like 72-hour hold. Yeah. Because she wasn't well. No. Um, She didn't go to her own divorce hearing, and her former attorney, who she had fired... Appealed to Dan's attorney saying that Betty was just clearly too mentally ill for all of this. And she needed like a guardian ad litem. And so he was her guardian ad litem even though she fired him. So he did it without pay to try and help her. Because he said that Dan was being punitive Mm -hmm. and mean. Mm -hmm. And like this woman is unhinged and not well. You are just making this worse. This needs to be gotten over with so everybody can move on with their lives. Absolutely. I love that one. Yeah. His name is, last name is Jeff. Good guy. Yeah. But Dan just steamrolls over her. Betty fought back with more and more force. And what she starts doing is leaving these intensely obscene messages on their an- home answering machine. Oh, girl. And they're bad. She's just... Like- she has her kids do it when they visit she has her coaches them to leave terrible messages to their dad. I mean, she just kind you of can't do this and win. This is not how you she's win. not rational at this point, in my yeah. opinion. So I'm gonna read one of the voice messages. Oh, darling! And there are lots of them. I mean, but there's hundreds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's gone. She is gone. This is a message to fuckhead and the bitch. You have one hell of a nerve dumping the kids here on the sidewalk and zooming away without making any attempt to communicate with me about my plans for the weekend. Make me sick, both of you. I have a good mind to dump the kids back on you and drive away. Call me. We have a lot to talk about, asshole. And come pick up your four children that you're working so hard to have custody of. Congratulations. You can have them. Ew. Oh, she's... She doesn't give... Now, I'm going to point this out. Because we've been pretty pro-Betty this whole time. Betty don't give a fuck about them kids. I don't like that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. At this point, the divorce has dragged on for five years. It's finalized. Because of all the fighting back and forth. 
Her two older daughters have turned to drug and alcohol abuse to cope with the stress of this. Her youngest child, there's a recording of him begging his mother. I'm sorry about that, y'all. There's dogs. Barky dogs. Barky dogs. Anyway, there's a recording of the little boy begging his mother with, like, tears to please stop being so mean or daddy will never let me see you again. And she's just like, well, you know what? You can tell your shithead father. Like, she just zooms right over and has no empathy for her babies. Shouldn't give a shit about the kids. I I just want to scoop them kids up. Nobody's doing any good by those kids. That is not okay. Dan is too busy having a big old love affair with a girl. Like, half his age, which is gross. He wrecked his 16-year marriage and his gaslit his wife and she went crazy and the kids are just lost in the middle of this terrible event they're in a tug of war game they are they're just being used as pawns to hurt the other Mm -hmm. parent absolutely so in 1988 dan wins full custody of the children and got away with like all of the money and the reason this happened is because of something called the epstein credit and it doesn't have anything to do with that gross pedophile guy it's a type of thing to where the community property she should have had with dan that would have been split 50 50 was sort of prorated to where she just she just got screwed she didn't get hardly anything so because she had so many legal fees and all of this it's just it's not only that but it was like he's it's it's so convoluted the financial part of this case and i am not a lawyer but just know that because of something called an Epstein credit, she got no money, yeah. basically. Like, none. Yeah. And he didn't have to pay her anymore. And that part's on her because she flipped out so much and the judge was so sick of her ass. Same. I'm already sick of her. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't fair. Just because we're sick of somebody doesn't yeah. mean we get to be unfair and punitive to them. She should have had mental health help. She should have had help a long, long time ago. Oh, for sure. She should have been... Well, in addition, what should have happened, she should have gotten her fair share and no custody of them kids. Because she's acting the fool. She's wild enough. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she should have supervised visitations only at that rate. because Until she gets some help for the safety of the kids. Yeah, absolutely. She's, like, drinking and driving, too. Yeah. She had a lot of problems. Seven months later, after the divorce is finalized in 1988, Dan gets married to Linda Colkina. Having lost everything, including her mind, yeah. Betty went to Dan's house on November 5th, 1989, in like the early, early morning, used her daughter Kimberly's keys to get into the house, went up the stairs, and shot both Dan and Linda as they slept. Oh. She was found guilty of two counts of murder and sentenced to 30 year, 32 years to life. Betty's still in prison today. She was eligible for parole, I think, a couple years ago, and it was denied. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And, I mean, there's so many interviews with Betty. Like, you can watch, there's a whole Oprah where Oprah interviews Betty Broderick. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Betty's worth some dollars today because of all the books and movies and... You're not supposed to profit off of her case. I was just about to say that, yeah. And there's a law for that. Mm -hmm. I think there's some loopholes in there because she's not hurting. I don't think she'll ever, ever get out of jail. That was some cold-blooded shit. Because let's be fair to Linda. Linda's a baby, 21 years old. Oh, God. She wasn't even 30 years old when she died. I mean, 
Dan is very charming, superficially. And very manipulative. Mm-hmm, and controlling. Yes. And so Linda only heard his side, and then she sees how crazy Betty acts. Right, absolutely. So absolutely. if there's any, like, true victim here, it's Linda, and that yeah. is very sad. Yeah. And so just because we kind of girl-bossed it a little bit with Betty, and we're like, yeah, smear stuff with pie. Pie's funny, shooting them isn't. So I just... Absolutely. I'm going to say this kind of stuff a lot when we cover these fin fatale cases, because I don't want... I don't want to come off as insensitive toward the victims. Dan didn't deserve to be shot and killed. Now the kids have no parent. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Betty. Mm-hmm. Girl. Mm-hmm. Shame. Shame on you. Yep. But yeah, uh, I do encourage everybody to watch the one with Meredith Baxter, the movie about Betty Broderick, a woman scorned. It's a really, really good movie. And if you watch like interviews with the real Betty Broderick, man, Meredith Baxter kills it. Oh. Good. She's one of my favorite actresses. I, I don't know her. Like She was in a lot of Lifetime movies mm-hmm. in like the 80s and 90s, and she came out as a lesbian like pretty early on in Hollywood. And does, I don't know, I always just thought she was super brave and pretty cool. And just an amazing actress. I love her. Yeah. I love her and Jodie Foster a lot. Yeah. I love Jodie Foster. Foster. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love every movie she's ever in, even if the movie's bad. I'm just like, anytime I think about her, I think about that gif of that interview that she did when she was like, I don't know, like 14, 12, something like that. She's a young teenager. And the reporter was like, well, have you had your eyes on any boys? And she kind of like does this little eye roll, and like side smirk. And she's like, no. Because <laughs> I don't know if she ever like officially, I think she just officially came out. Oh, she officially came out, came out many like, years ago, yeah. Yeah, but it was, it was fairly recent that yeah. she like officially came out. But she's just always been like the one you know as a lesbian. I've always thought so. I don't know yeah. why anyone was surprised. I, I just love her. I love her. <laughs> you know, because like her reasoning for not coming out is like, why do I care like you know like that's not and she just didn't feel like it was anyone's business it's not anybody's business and it, it didn't come up in conversation so why does it matter yeah so now on to business time briefly it's business time don't you know everybody talking about it's business time okay wow. yeah so uh our patreon y'all we have such exciting things going on. We've made a Facebook group for patrons only where you can help pick a case that we do. It doesn't have to go on theme, just something you're really fascinated with. You'd love to hear us cover. In addition, we do an extra episode a week. There are no ads. And as soon as we have enough members, there's going to be some more merch giveaways which I'm working on right now, merch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all sorts of fun stuff like a Discord. So go to patreon.com slash cruelty and join the cruelty party. Join a cruelty party. It's so fun. It is. Yeah. Like, I, I always save some of my favorite episodes. I do. For, um, the, the Patreon. And, y'all, we cover not just true crime on there. We do some paranormal stuff. We do um, weird history um, just interesting facts like mysteries, mysteries, stuff. missing persons cases, mm-hmm. all kinds of cool mm-hmm. shit that don't necessarily fit in with our monthly themes. So and and sometimes just chit chatting. I mean, you can skip those if chit chat annoys you. Yeah. It the bulk of it is not chit chat. So and we have our designated episodes where it's kind of like, well, we're gonna fill you guys in on this and and also like talk about ourselves. In addition, if you are listening to this and you are a true crime writer get with me i want to interview you i don't care if it's not on theme just come mm-hmm. at me yeah 
Yeah. I will interview you. Let's yeah. get your book out there. Let's get some people to read it and buy it. Make yeah. me some dollary dues. Especially because Lillian's an author. I am. So, yeah. And we'll go over questions first. Have you almost been true crimed yourself? Have you? I want to hear it. I want to Give know. it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, have you experienced a haunting? Have you seen Bigfoot and looked at his butt? I want to hear it. Mm-hmm. So please mm-hmm. go to any of our social media places and send us a message. And I have the link to that in the description of this episode. I have the link to everything, including my writing and all of our other projects. So I want you guys to check it out. Mm-hmm. And other than that, we are done here for tonight. <laughs> we love you so much. I love you more. <laughs> we love you guys, though. And we want you to have a good whatever time it is for you. Yes. Have a good time. Goodbye. Find us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Lily Bean.